Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, welcome to Going Off Track. Hey. I'm Jonah. I'm Brad. We're both hungover. Viciously. We both went to holiday parties last night. Tis the season. But we were at different parties. Tis the fucking season. Um, Shout out to my old roommate, Emily, for inviting me to her company's party, since I don't have anyone I work for who invited (laughs) me to a party. Yeah. The Cornerstone party was fun, man. I went to the Cornerstone party last year. Yeah. Um... I did have fun. Was it the same? same no, spot? was it this venue over on the west side, like Americano Hotel? Okay, it's on the roof. It's cool. Good food. Good drink. Yeah, I just I tried one of of everything. It seems yeah. like that's the way it goes. I've never had like when I worked at AP, we didn't really have holiday parties, and the only holiday party I went to at Fuse, we went. They do like a you get invited to a giant one that was that's at Madison Square Garden. Holy like, shit. on the floor, but I remember the year I went was the day that Stevens on Total Rock Show got canceled. Nice. And I remember we all <laughs> went over there and got just hammered. Oh, fuck. Really? Yes. Yeah, like, on the floor of MSG. It was, like, a m- bunch of people. I can't believe they let you come to the party. Yeah. I mean... There were two things that happened that day. We I guess got- it's different than being fired. Your show's canceled. Yeah, but like it was you're- sort of like being fired because they were, like... I remember being like, well, can we do like a farewell episode or something? And they're like, no, you're done. <laughs> and like, okay. It's not like they had, they had a, security had to escort you from the building. No, security didn't escort us. But I was supposed to be, this is actually up on my website and it's on YouTube. I was supposed to be in a promo. I was in a couple of promos for the show that they would show on Fuse. And there was one where they wanted me to, I had like my Afro and these Ray-Bans and they were like, we want you to hold these signs like that Bob Dylan video. Yeah. For, what is it, like, Subterranean Homesick Blues? Uh, no, I, I can't remember what's on. I know the video. Yeah, the really famous yeah, yeah. video. They wanted me to do it, and the people who asked me to do it were, like, in the promo department. They had no idea the show was getting canceled. So they came over after it happened, and they're like, are you still done to just promo today? And I was like, no. <laughs> and they're like, what do you mean? We're all, we have a crew, we're ready to do it. It's me and that guy, Jared, who's been on the podcast. And I was like, I was like, my show just got canceled. Like, I'm not going to go do this thing for free to promote your channel <laughs> like i'm mad at you <laughs> and they felt so bad and then they were like well what if we give you your day rate twice for today 
Like they were like, basically, we'll pay you double if you do this promo. Right. It's going to take like 15 minutes. Right. And part of me, I remember being totally conflicted because part of me was like, you know what? I want to say just like, no, like keep your money. <laughs> like you guys like just cancel my show, Maddie. And then part of me was like, <laughs> I'm out of work. I'm out of work. <laughs> like I should not be turning down easy money. So I was like, I'll do it. Yeah. And you can watch it. You can still watch it. It's pretty funny. You made the right decision. Yeah. As I've tried to explain over and over again, being punk rock doesn't doesn't work out well in the long run. Well, it's just yeah. I mean, it's like <laughs> what who who wins in that? Like they'll just have someone else do it. Exactly. Like so, I don't know. Do you have any big uh, big holiday plans? Big holiday plans? No. Going to go skiing in Vermont if there's snow. Yeah. It's so fucking warm, man. Yeah. Unseasonably warm. Yeah, it is pretty warm. Do you think it's an environmental issue? Oh, we're going to bring we it go. down like we did in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We did. Got a little we, dark in you this. You think? Stock. I didn't think it got that dark. Uh, it's just a depressing like, thing to talk about. The, what, the rising that, sea levels. Yeah. Rising sea levels. Um, the world turning into Mad Max. Yeah. It's, it's going to be so gradual. <laughs> it must be different having kids, though, because I'm sort of like, whatever happens, it's happens. Like, yeah, we asked for it. But I feel like when you have kids, it's sort of like, ugh, I want to like... Yeah, you do. I mean, yeah. it's funny because I often, before I had kids, and maybe maybe quite a while, but when I was younger and crazier, man, I, I often thought, I hope the world ends during my lifetime because I would like to be there for it. <laughs> Yes, but as we know, the world doesn't end with a bang. It ends with a long, slow. You know, it's wine. interesting. There's a theory. I should have brought this up with our guest. There's a theory that you know, simulation theory that life is just a simulation, mm-hmm. and part of the theory is that like whenever you're nearing the end of your life, like it seems like the world is ending just because you're gonna leave. So it's like, it always seems like the environment and war and all this right. shit is happening, but it's just like, it's just part of the simulation because you can't picture the world without you in it. Right. Good point. And it really seems like that. Are you leaving the simulation? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I, I hope not. I felt like I'm just sort of starting to figure things out. Well, We'll know that if, you know, if Trump gets elected, that the simulation has come to an end. I feel like that kind of stuff, you're <laughs> like, this is a little ridiculous, even for a simulation. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's not, that doesn't bode well. Uh, who knows, man? This I watched the de- debate the other night, and it's, it's it was, I mean, it was like watching, uh, like, The Apprentice or something. Yeah. Like, it's just like, Trump's like, just like calling Jeb Bush a loser. <laughs> like, you have no energy. Your campaign's a joke. And it's just like, did you run for president? I know. It's really but, embarrassing. Like, it's unreal. It's, yeah, it, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> uh, today on the podcast, <laughs> we have someone who I would vote for for president. Yeah. Probably doesn't want the job because it sounds like his life is way better than president. Yeah, smart Pres- people don't want to be president. Yeah, Totally. Uh, Ben Jorgensen, uh, from Armor for Sleep. Um, he's been a friend of, friend of mine for a long time. Um, since 2003, I guess we figured out. And he came by when Armor for Sleep were doing the 10 year, um, anniversary dates for their classic album, What to Do When You're Dead. 
So, unfortunately, the last show is tomorrow. And we're recording this a couple weeks before we release it. So, you miss the shows. But Ben did tell us that they may have some leftover merch, possibly, if it doesn't sell out. So, check out their website. Um, there's a vinyl reissue of the album and maybe some posters and shirts and stuff if you can't be there in person. Yeah, get the vinyl, man. Yeah, get the vinyl. Colored. Yeah, get the colored vinyl. Everybody likes it. Yeah. It's, yeah, back even, in print. Even if you don't have a record player, you can put it on the wall. It's colored vinyl. It looks cool. That's true. Put, put it on your wall. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, we talked a lot about the band, about sort of Ben works in music management. We talked about that. And we also talked a lot about Ray Kurzweil, technology, and the singularity. Bring it on, man. Which ben knows a lot about that stuff, which is cool because... I feel like we all love talking about that. And I actually learned a lot. Um, so me and Brad are going to shut up. And here's Ben Jorgensen from Armor for Sleep. It's going on. All right. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> I feel like we're all like, I feel like I'm normally higher energy, but I just got like so soaked that I'm just like feel wet and yeah. dis- disgusting. <laughs> you got soaked last night. I got soaked in the rain on the way here. <laughs> you uh, got soaked last night in what, liquor. I did. I also got soaked in liquor last night. You had night. a good night last night? I hadn't drank in like three months. Um, and then I drank, had a couple beers last night and it hit me pretty hard. What was it like? Um, did you do that for like a reason? Or are you trying to? Sort of. I was trying to like do exactly what I didn't do last night. So <laughs> I was like, I'm going to take some time off, get some perspective, uh-huh. and then totally like. Was there an incident three months ago, like a really bad night, or was it more of like a things leading up to that? Uh, there was, there were. A I few. mean, you don't have to answer. No, it was. I was, <laughs> I was, personal. I was doing some stuff that like was not. I was wasn't making good decisions. Uh huh. You know how it is. Yeah. So um, I was like, I'm gonna scale back, try to make some better decisions, cool. and I did. Mm-hmm. And then I fell back in my bed. But you know, it actually wasn't that bad last night. I just feel a little out of it. Yeah. Anyways, we're here with Ben Jorgensen, Armor for Sleep. Yes. What's up? How's it going? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming by. No problem. You guys just played some shows in L.A. last yeah. week? Last weekend we did San Francisco, Pomona, and uh, Hollywood. How was that? Um, it was awesome. I mean, uh, this is kind of, you know, we decided, I guess, over the summer that we wanted to play some uh, 10-year anniversary shows for What to Do When You're Dead. Um, and so this, we've been... You know, it's all been leading up to these shows, and uh, it's kind of surreal to actually play them. Um, and uh, it's it's been awesome. That's wild. Yeah. yeah, I I can't. So that record's ten years old. Ten years old. Yeah, um, came out in two thousand five. So we wanted to sneak in these shows before it turned to two thousand sixteen, or else we couldn't really say it's the yeah, ten year yeah. anniversary tour. Had you guys thought about doing this for a while? Or how well, did it like, come so together? a few years ago, we played um got an offer to play bamboozle and then um played a couple other shows and i guess we were calling it our farewell tour because when we broke up it was just kind of like this like weird awkward thing where we didn't really break up we just kind of went away and like you know um i guess since that happened i guess social media really became a thing and we just wouldn't stop hearing from these kids who were like can you at least play some shows because we didn't know you guys were breaking up so we're like all right we'll play a couple shows so that was a few years ago, and that, you know, kind of, like, stayed with us. And, and since then, this thing online has just been growing with these kids um, who are, like, you have to play 10-year anniversary shows before the year is up. 
So uh, we met and we were like, let's see if that's even a possibility. And then uh, then we started booking some shows. That's wild. When I saw the guys in your band, like, yeah, one of the guys is a lawyer now. Yeah, he just passed the bar in New York and New Jersey. Anthony, our bass player. Yeah, Anthony, yeah. And uh, PJ's uh, selling real estate in New Jersey. If anyone wants to find a good house in South Orange, okay. uh, find him on Facebook. I'm sure he'll be stoked. Good to know. And then Nash is a, a, a drum teacher in Asbury Park. So he's still still kicking kicking it with yeah, the life. I've run into him a couple times, I think. Yep. I remember. I feel like I met you. You guys did a tour with your enemy's friends and <laughs> Midtown. Yeah, and Midtown. Uh-huh. When was that? That had to have been. Oh man, a um, pretty long time ago. I was definitely living in Ohio. That was that was definitely before we recorded "What to Do When You Were Dead." So that must have been two thousand and three or something. Okay, probably two thousand three. Because I remember you were, like, super young. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, 19 or 20. Um, and, uh, yeah, so at that point, um, Gabe, the singer from Midtown and then Cobra Starship, he kind of was managing us. And um, Midtown was kind of broken up. And then uh, he started managing us and was like, man, I want to I wanna play again. So then Midtown had this whole revival where they, they made another al- album, um, that was put out on Columbia. And so then he was managing us and doing Midtown at the same time. And then uh, that was that like weird period. And now you're sort of managing Gabe. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, Cobra is not a thing uh, anymore. They they announced their disbandment. Oh, right, yeah, right. So I'm, I'm working at Crush, uh, Crush Management, who has like a big roster of artists. And one of the first things that I was asked to do, Gabe asked me if I could come in and help um, Cobra out for a bit, so it's like a, a weird little circle of life that we that we live in. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah. Um, so Ben, we're in Williamsburg. <laughs> 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 so I remember. So you guys had that song Williamsburg. Yeah. And it was sort of that was probably around like when I moved here. Like I want to say like 2007, 2008, yeah. mm-hmm. and. It's like, I don't know what these guys are talking about. And now I think I finally get it. But it took me a long time to come around. <laughs> a bunch of people were like, um, you know, were like, oh, man, that's like you like predicted what Williamsburg would be like five years later. And I was like, really? Because I felt like when like from my experience, when I was writing that, people were like, you know, that whole thing about like, you know, hipsters being in Williamsburg. Like that was like old news to me. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? So, um but yeah, it's 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 all in jest. People think people are like, wait, you're going to Williamsburg? Don't you hate that place? I'm like, no, I was kind of joking. You probably around, never but... think about it when you're not. I mean, no, I never do. Yeah. yeah. And also, to be honest, the people who I wrote that song about actually lived in the East Village, so I was just using Williamsburg because it sounded better. So yeah. I don't actually hate Williamsburg. Um, what do you think, of Williamsburg, Brad? Yeah, I think it's it changed is. a lot. Even I feel like in the last couple of years, it's changed way too fast. It's like, it's one thing to see, you know, the gentrification of some place, but to see it just kind of steamroll, like, a, whatever, eight blocks a year or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty mad. I mean, East Village got gentrified and then turned into, you know, a big playground for NYU students. But that took a long time. It's like a couple of decades. Williamsburg, it's taken like eight years. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever think about going back to Jersey to live? Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I like New Jersey. Uh, I grew up there, but I don't think that's where, you know, I want to live and I want to 
work and the things that I do, I, you know, I guess the industry of what I do is not located in New Jersey yeah. unless I was commuting to the city all yeah, the time. That makes sense. Yeah. What, I mean, how do you sort of look back on like, cause when you started the band, how old are you? Um, I was 17 when I wrote the first Armor for Sleep songs. Uh, it was right out of high school. I was playing drums for a band in New Jersey called Random Task. And, uh, Basically, I started writing a bunch of the songs at the end of the band and playing guitar. I taught myself how to play guitar, and then I didn't want to do that before college, so I started writing my own songs. Um, and so that was the start of it. I didn't have any other band members until like pretty much like a year later. But um, but yeah, I started when I was seventeen. Had you been sort of playing a long time before that on your own? Well, I mean, you know, I grew up like going to shows in the city and in New Jersey from when I was 13 years old. So I already had years of experience of like the scene. And like I said, my band Random Task, we played around all the time. Every weekend we were playing shows. So I, you know, at 17, I already felt like I'd been doing it for a while in a weird way. Um, And so had my friends at the time. Um, So... So, yeah, I guess I just got an early start. I mean, what's it like sort of looking back, like, when you play that kind of early stuff now? Like, I, do you feel, like, does it put you... I can't imagine singing something I wrote when I was a teenager, I guess. Yeah, it is It is weird. Um, I think it's, you know, this whole experience has just shown me, like, this connected with people um, at a certain age and, like, a, a bunch of them, you know what I mean? Like, when we play these shows, there are a bunch of kids out there and... It's just more of the power of like, you know, we were all in the same place at the same time. Like this music that, you know, we wrote and the lyrics that, you know, my 17 year old brain was putting onto paper meant something to these people. And playing it now, I don't like go back to like what it's like being a 17 year old. But sometimes I'm like, you know, when when there's something that connects like a piece of art that connects with a bunch of people, it's it's just interesting. You know, it's interesting that there was a point in time when there was something that connected with people from a similar age and a similar background you know just like i'm sure if a movie impacts people at a certain point in time it's just interesting to to think about like why why did that hit these people at this specific moment you know definitely and Um, you guys i feel like we're such a part part of like a scene there mm -hmm. and i feel like that doesn't we feel we talked about this on podcast before that doesn't really exist so much anymore right I mean, how do you sort of, do you keep in touch with a lot of those people? I mean, did it feel like you guys, or was it just like, these are just the other local bands that kind of happened? No, I mean, it was, it was very much a scene and everyone was feeding off of everyone else. And, um, you know, yeah, you know, whenever we heard a record that we loved, we would play it in the van and, and, you know, we would try and top something that another band we loved did. You know, it it was very much like bands feeding off of each other in this really like, you know, hyper connected way that just kind of fell apart after a while i mean you know i think it's not similar to other scenes where you know bands have you know taken ideas from each other uh it was just one of those moments where it was happening all around us i think you know for me growing up in new jersey the new jersey scene of the late 90s early 2000s was you know pretty cool because i grew up going to hardcore shows in the city and uh, going to punk rock shows in the city um when i was like 14 and then i would come back to suburbia where i could have a drum set in my basement and i know all my friends were doing that too so it, it, there was just a lot going on at that time and uh, it's kind of the best of all worlds man i know right <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. you get to see all the shows in the city and then go back and fucking jam out in the garage yep can you play drums yeah really mm-hmm 
I can't. I can never. Yeah, that's how I, I started. That was my first instrument. My, uh, I really wanted to be a drummer, so my mom gave me drum lessons uh, when I was in sixth grade. Really? Yeah. So I made my friends play different uh, instruments, and that's how my band in, in high school got started. Yeah, that's great. I wish I knew how to play drums. You can play drums. Right? I've got the. I got terrible rhythm. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I wish I could just play piano, man. Yeah, yeah that would be nice. You can. Yeah. Yeah, I should. Probably harder can, now that you're older. I can play yeah. a little bit, but I mean, you know, I was down in Nashville two weeks ago and we were trying to do some just like goofy tourist thing. So we went out to this dueling piano bar mm-hmm. and dude, I mean, that's, you know, Nashville, the caliber of musicianship is like, it's just the next level for everybody. But these guys, one of these piano players, I think it was probably the best piano player I'd ever seen yeah. play. Mm-hmm. And this guy was doing like a... So fucking what was it like a Wednesday night in this in this like tourist trap yeah. club? It was sick. Yeah, it is. It's harder to learn stuff when you get older, though. Mm-hmm. I think there's like a neurological reason for that. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just like learning language is a lot easier when you're. Also, people are really good because they've been doing it for a long time. Right. So if you start later in life, you're just not going to have as many years to do it. You know, a really good pian- pianist, I'm sure, started getting lessons at five. So by yeah. the time they're 25, they have 20 years of you know maybe a lot of practice under their belts it right. just takes a while to accumulate the worst is language hours Lang- i mean because if you yeah you know if you if you know one instrument you've kind of got the finger strength and that mm-hmm. it's pretty but like god languages i mean i know i tried yeah. to learn a new language recently and i forgot about you know like there's male and female pronouns mm-hmm. and then I, once i got into that, i was just like i can't remember like a desk is a male but right. like a chair is a female it's like i'm never gonna remember all this. yeah so I, I, I just I, forget yeah. immediately i started learning hebrew when i was four and I could probably, you know, speak it pretty fluently now, and it's just because my brain was really? know, a sponge at that age. But I think that's like, there's a reason why you learn languages at that age. I think that's a survival mechanism. You know, well, yeah. you know we that, couldn't learn to communicate. I don't think we'd be. Very do you know good. that if you learn yeah. another a second language, like at that age, like a really young age, when you're kind of that, uh, it actually makes it easier to learn languages later because it actually that part of your brain that 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 is responsible for learning languages actually is bigger physically they've done right. studies that show that like so yeah yeah T- teach your kids a language early because it, it literally it's like a muscle right that gets developed so that then you could like, i believe it so you could now learn an, uh, a third language easier than <laughs> yeah somebody could learn I'll a second do, language. i get to work tonight I, <laughs> yeah i got bar mitzvahed and i read a bunch of hebrew but i feel like i mostly just memorized it right yeah you know i didn't i didn't I was talking about learning languages with Anthony, my bass player, and he did Rosetta Stone for Greek. Do you do you know how Rosetta Stone works? Uh-uh, I would really. imagine you just listen to the things and it's like, this is how to say car. So Rosetta Stone, they, they actually do not speak a word of English if you're learning another language. Every single word you hear is in the other language. And um, it's it's just like this crazy way to, to learn a language. You you learn the language by basically guessing what a right word is. No, you know, it, there's no memorization. Really? It's like the natural way of learning. Yeah. So it's like how kids learn, yeah. Exactly. How you learn your first language. Yeah, it's like guessing. No it's, like, it's like basically there's like a picture of a duck and they say four different words and you just guess until you get the right one. And then and then you know that's how to say duck. And then like there's oh another God. test. So it's like, you know. That's really smart. Yeah, I know. But that's, you know, our brains absorb things in very Holy strange shit. ways. That's really that interesting. Is wild. Yeah, I totally thought it was just like being, I took Latin in high school. Yeah, probably torturous. It was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I took a class called Phenomenon of Language, which mm-hmm. is for kids who basically like, like stoners like me <laughs> who like didn't t- take french or spanish but yeah and i remember I, 
Yeah, I remember. Well, yeah, it's weird. It makes me sound really old. Latin? Yeah, like I can't believe they were still teaching Latin when I was. Do they not teach it anymore? There's no way they teach it. Did they have Latin when you were going to school? Mm, no. I mean, what would be the point of learning it, really? I, what was the point then? Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be a priest? <laughs> no. Um, what kind of stuff? It seems like I feel like whenever I look at you on Instagram or something, you're like on a beautiful beach somewhere <laughs> surrounded by palm trees. That's what Instagram is for. I know. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. It's all Photoshop. Yeah. Uh, what kind of stuff do you like to do sort of outside of your work and music kind of? Um, you have a couple weeks off. What's your. Yeah. I mean, I love, I love, um, I love nature and being outside and, uh, you know, I got married a couple years ago and we went on our honeymoon to Hawaii and it was like the most magical, amazing place on earth. It's like, I don't know if you've ever, have you ever been to Hawaii? I have, yes. What island did you go to? I can't remember. Oahu, the main one maybe? I think the main one. Yeah. yeah. So there, there, so Oahu is like, Oahu has Honolulu, which is like a city. So you go there, it kind of seems like Miami. Everywhere else though, on the other islands, it's like so untouched and beautiful. Like for me living in New York City, it's hard to imagine that places like that exist on this planet. It's like, it, you know, it's like paradise, you know. And, um, yeah. Food grows so, on trees. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you, you go out in a, in a little boat and there are just pods of dolphins and you could just jump in the water and swim with hundreds of dolphins. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Anyway, so, yeah, so that kind of like, you know, I think, I, I think after living in the city, I really enjoy getting away and, um, you know, going to beautiful places and experiencing uh you know the planet maybe you know before it's before it's before it's gone yeah well not before it's gone but like hawaii like who knows how long those beautiful islands will stay untouched you know there's going to be a planet hollywood there right right. that's what blows my mind about hawaii you know i hadn't gone i've been there a few times Mm -hmm. but like when i the first time i went i was i was and and the second time i was blown away by um how, how how few people there are there? Yeah. yeah, the first thing you think is that it's these small, self-contained, uh-huh. literally islands, right? And like, I just figured it was gonna, they're just going to be covered in fucking exactly. luxury homes and hotels, and it's like it's just once you get out of like the you know each one has its one major city that's mm-hmm. not that big, and then once you get out of it, it's like just tiny towns, small towns. Yeah. Like it's just yeah, and so I know on certain people. islands like the island of Kauai, which is my favorite. Yeah, um, that was the last they, one. I went they to. have a. a a law that you can't build any structure taller than a palm tree and that's strictly to <laughs> not have like skyscrapers yeah. and, and everything and you know they 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 care yeah. and um that's cool yeah i should go back there i went there when my sister had cancer we went on like a make-a-wish trip mm-hmm. so it was like kind of a bummer trip yeah it was fun but i feel like it'd be better yeah. to go back like yeah the big island's really cool too because it's just so brutally like have you been to the big island yep mm-hmm that, that's an amazing place. It's in there's an active a few active yeah. volcanoes on the island. And really? It's all yeah. It's like black lava rock everywhere. You're some parts of it look. I mean, it feels like you're standing on the moon. Um, yeah, it's exactly. It's what really I'm cool. Saying. You don't see any like when you come. Like they were telling somebody was telling me that like tourists when they first come there, if they haven't been to Hawaii before, they basically freak out because they're landing on what looks like the moon right. and you don't even yeah. see like if you don't unless you look really carefully when you're in the airplane you don't even see like green green it's just these tiny little strips of green along the coast yeah and, like beaches and then just black 
Yeah, Big it's, Island's interesting. Yeah, it's amazing. So could those volcanoes just like explode one day? Yeah, well, they are actually. Um, and when you buy a house in the Big Island, there are different zones, and you can be in a lava flow zone, right, um, or a not. And lava flow zones are a lot cheaper to live in. <laughs> and actually, when we were there, there was a lava, there was a volcano that was um, wasn't erupting. It was more like I guess oozing or something, but it was active and it was rolling into a town. And you can't stop um, lava from flowing. You know, you can't just like put up a, yeah, there's a concrete wall. Like it's a very <laughs> slow moving but certain death. Yeah. So, you know, it's really unfortunate. People had to move because this lava flow is just, you know, going to overtake the town. And But that's what volcanoes tend to do. Yeah, that's what happens if you're in the lava zone, I guess. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. And I think it was like a very low income. Yeah. Like these places are low income. So, you know, it sucks for those that's people. But. I just read this art- really long article about like Miami and like how it's basically like how certain areas are already just like totally flooded and how they think like the whole f- like that area of southern Florida oh, because is of like the it's already because of the rising sea, yeah sea and level. yeah and it's really like really serious over there yeah. and all, people are building all these mansions and they're like dude like they're not gonna not gonna last yeah it's 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 crazy man we're yep very scary what's going on right now yeah it is, yeah, it is pretty scary. Or, uh, I don't know if scary. It's more sad for me. Yeah. You know? Um, and, you, you know, it's depressing to read those articles from scientists who basically have come to the conclusion that it's pretty much irreversible, you know, and, like, it's too late at this point. And I don't, I don't think, you know, we should, like, stop trying to help. Right. And just, like, have orgies in the streets or whatever. But if that's true, that it really sucks. Yeah, totally. I just think, yeah, people are just going to have to change the way they live. Yeah. Mad or- Max. <laughs> Mad Max, yeah. It's a different, different way of life. <laughs> are uh, you ready? Are you ready for Mad Max? No. <laughs> I'm definitely not you ready. Look, you, you look like you Don't let the mustache be. fool you. <laughs> I know I look crazy, but I'm still not you very gotta tough. Have, do you have any weapon, any kind of weird weapon? Like a curved scimitar. <laughs> I have like a banjo. <laughs> Is that a weapon in your hands? Maybe. <laughs> it can be. I've heard a drum head I've on definitely it. heard banjo used as a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in my hands. Um, <laughs> what's it sort of like for you to sort of be on the other side of the music industry? I mean, is that is it fun for you? Is well, it annoying? Like, so I never, you know, I don't, I don't. So like, I never saw myself working in the business side of things. Um, I didn't want to, you know, I mean, I, I was always first and foremost like an, like a songwriter. and, and But the, the heads of Crush called me up and were like, hey, we think you could help out with other artists we have in like a creative way, basically. Because a part of my job is to help other people find that thing that's going to help them connect with a bunch of people. And I think that's, you know, really magical. And, you know, if I could help um, facilitate that for other people, you know, I think that like... Um, to me, you know, it's it's being a part of, of something that could affect people's lives, even if it's not, you know, me being the billboard of, you know, what's going out there, you know, like I kind of like, I did that for a while and there's a reason why I didn't want to keep doing it, you know, so it's, it's, it's nice to be able to help other people find their paths to like, I think, you know, how they can express themselves through music. I mean, do you... Did you like being the center of attention or was it not what you wanted or? I think in the beginning I had never had that before and, you know, I think I was very shy. And so writing these songs that meant something to people and then, you know, getting attention from it, I think maybe at the beginning like filled a void that uh, had never been filled within me before. And, 
you know, then, you know, being, being a performer, it's kind of a repetitive process, you know, like I always loved being creative and what I didn't necessarily love as much was like jumping on stage every night and being like, look at me, here's a song, like buy my stuff and then doing it again and again. You know, it's a lot of advertisement, you know, like what's that quote? You don't become a rock star by accident. You know, you really have to like want that spotlight and like, I don't, I don't know that I did after a certain point, you know, and, and, and I think how our band was going we were kind of like riding a similar trajectory to strangely how the internet was going and social media and the demand for content started really rising um when we reached like the end of you know our time as a band and what that meant was that it was more about you know producing content putting yourself out there and that's kind of like the opposite of how we started i feel like we started because we were kind of this weird band that put out songs that intrigued people and then you know with the with the rise of social media is like we needed to like be this walking billboard and you know that that became i, I just don't i don't think that that's really my personality so yeah. that wasn't going to work with me as that kind of thing I think it's smart though because like I have so many friends who are in bands mm-hmm. till they were like in their thirties and then it's sort of they stopped and then they're sort of like well what do I do now right like it's cool that you have something else sort of like well I mean it, yeah. it helps you you know I, I, there's not been anybody that's had a career in music that hasn't had some other thing that they can be serious about when they're not doing it it, it yeah. seems like you know whether it's like like a whole other kind of career trajectory, whether it's art, whether it's like, um, yeah, I mean, the way I look at it, I think we're talking about the, the brain and learning languages. I think the brain is like, I mean, it's, it's the most complicated thing in the universe, uh, literally. (laughs) And, um, you know, it's, it's a shame to think that you can only do one thing in your life. And I never thought that about myself. And, you know, I look up to people like Trent Reznor, who was able to do music. And then he's also kind of like a, doing something in technology and yeah. you know it's because you know i'm sure he his brain is capable of a lot of things you know and, and i think you know i think i realized that about myself like i i never just wanted to be one thing i think that would uh you know that would that would just make me bummed out like i always want to be trying new things and, and seeing what else i could be good at and you know I, and it's because you're I a smart people, guy yeah <laughs> i mean does it does it like lose any of the magic though like when you find out like sort of like what happens behind closed doors and like the politics of the industry and that kind of stuff or is it kind of more interesting to you well i always thought you know if you're going to be a magician you got to learn how to do the trick and the trick (laughs) is not the trick you know there's nothing there's nothing magical about knowing that you know you have a machine in your pocket that takes out a card but you want to be a magician because you want other people to feel the magic so in order to write a song you need to know oh there's something called a chorus that needs to repeat two or three times or else people are going to lose interest so you learn that trick you're like okay i'm going to formulate a song around these set of parameters and my creativity will shine through uh you know these boundaries just like a haiku is so limiting because you have to follow this pattern of syllables but that really sometimes that's the creativity shine anyway so i think that sometimes to get to the end point of the magic you need to learn what goes on behind the scenes and you have to deconstruct how it happens and um you know if you care about what you're doing enough then you care about to learn how to um how how it functions you know you, you lift up the curtain you see how the gears work and then depending on what your intentions are you know Everyone has their own t- intentions, but you can you can produce what you want through through learning how it works. Yeah, yeah. You know, and my, I hope my intentions are pure, and then I'm just trying to get to like, you know, w- with my work now and helping other people out. I want to get to that magical connection that p- 
people feel through music because I think that's really powerful and my motivation is not money. You know what I mean? I think if you try and do that, then that's how sometimes the machinery falls apart. Um, so Yeah, no, that's true. I also think that you're totally right about the brain too. I was just reading this thing about how like we can like build new limbs and all this stuff, but like scientists still like have no idea how the brain works. Yeah, totally. It's pretty wild. The brain is wild. Yeah, well, Rick yeah, Kurzweil has been like wild. trying to like reverse engineer the brain. Mm, yep. And I saw him speak about that, and it was it's pretty interesting. Yeah, he thinks it's going to happen pretty soon. There's some debate on that, but yeah, I mean, the brain is just basically a massive machine. I mean, even you know, you think of the world's most powerful supercomputers that have rooms and rooms full of these crazy computers. They can't even they can't even touch the amount of processing power in the human brain in the way that intelligent thought uh, behaves. So we still don't know how it works, but... Oh, good news, too, on the brain. I just yeah. actually read last night. Alcohol doesn't kill brain cells. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that's great news, Brad. It does. It's short-term. We'll shut them down. Really? That's They'll awesome. back. But, yeah. Um, do you yeah. feel like the singularity <laughs> is near? Uh, I, I do, yeah. Yeah. I love Ray Kurzweil. I think his timeline might be a little bit off. What um, does he say, 2045 or 2045 something? is around what he thinks. Um, but... I don't think anyone really questions that we're going to be able to reproduce intelligence. And, you know, I think what he says about how an intelligent machine would be able to uh, enhance their intelligence pretty much infinitely. Like, it's pretty hard to argue with that. Yeah, um, it was cool because I saw him speak and then someone was in the audience was like, well, what if we don't want to like, I don't want to have robots in my bloodstream. Like, I don't want this stuff. Yeah. And he was like, he's like, well, you do it already. It's like when you're on your phone and you look something up that's going into the cloud that's doing it and he's like if you don't want to do this you don't have to and you're just going to die out he's like right. it's going to be like it's going to take over like a biological revolution It'll just be technological mm -hmm. yeah i just got um uh i have a samsung note 5 and i just got uh, the samsung gear vr which is pretty much the first commercially available oh, yeah. virtual reality How is no that? way Dude, it's nuts. It's going to change everything. Like, Oculus Rift is coming out next year, so is the PlayStation version of it. Once you try on, um, you know, what you'll be able to buy in the next year, it's coming, man. Like, everything's going to change really fast. Not not just from virtual reality, but, you know, that goes with the whole, you know, us existing uh, parallel to all of our technology. You know, it's we're going to be... We're just going to merge with that more and more, um, obviously. So how... How does it work? You put your phone in this. Is it like glasses or something? Yeah, it's 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 really simple actually. That the headset doesn't have any electronics in it. You 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 clip your phone to basically it's like two, um, it's like it looks like goggles, you know. And then the phone goes into a mode where it has two uh, split two screen. It, yeah split screen images. <clears throat> and when you look through the glass lenses, it's three dimensional. And it has motion sensing, so it tells when you turn your head, it will change how you look. But you know, if you have if you have one of those phones, this thing is a hundred bucks. It's really it's really cool. Yeah, I tried the Oculus. You did? This guy, yeah, there's a guy that was yeah. here that was beta testing it. Yeah, and it was like I tried that too. The thing about that is you have to carry around a really yeah, heavy duty computer. Um, where this, like, I, I I got it in the mail an hour before we were set to go to play shows in California, so I threw it in my bag and on the plane. I probably looked like a freak, but. Um, <laughs> You know, I think that's that's going to be huge when people can just carry these things around. And of course, it's this is going to look ridiculous in five years that they look like ski goggles because in five years, you know, whatever they might be in contact lenses. Right, exactly, that's the goal. But do you think that, like, I mean, do you think that we're going to have this stuff kind of just kind of implanted into our brains eventually? 
I mean, do you think like we're going to look back at cell phones and be like, that was so ridiculous? Remember when you carried that thing around? Yes, absolutely. Um, but who knows in what form it will come? Like the biggest thing about if you watch movies where like Back to the Future, where they predict people in the future, they nobody ever guessed that we'd ha- each have computers in our hands, like cell phones. Right. You know what I mean? Like they all knew we'd have like advanced technology, but like no movie ever predicted that and so i don't think we can predict what it's going to be whether it's going to be like we're jacking ourselves into the matrix with like a plug in the back of our head you know it'll probably look different than that but it you know it'll be something well yeah i read an article too that was talking about that and it was like all the whatever the flying cars the hoverboards they're like all the technology has been applied towards like social net like social stuff not so much like tech it's interesting Mm -hmm. i wonder why that is i guess maybe that's like just like a very human thing to just want to connect with people well yeah that's where that's where the money is you know i know dude i feel like people pay a lot for flying cars too (laughs) the flying car is just not gonna happen obviously (laughs) i don't know man i guess we have have drones drones. (laughs) i mean it's kind of the same idea hyperloop could happen oh god i hope so that's the best that's cool that's the most amazing tech it's a vacuum it's like it's the equivalent of like you know those office those old office vacuum tubes that they would send documents to? Yeah. It's exactly the same thing. You just build these tubes. Like, it's faster than, it's faster than flying a jet. So It's y- basically they would build these, um, <clears throat> these circular tube systems. So it would be most functional between two cities, like between like L.A. and San Francisco is the proposed first one. And what it is is it combines magnets that would propel... Um, vehicles through an enclosed tube and it's also a vacuum so they take out all the air so there's no air friction so you can accelerate these little pods to like 600 miles an hour so you could get from LA to San Francisco in 30 minutes the weather doesn't affect them at all because they're not outside Um, there's no traffic in them Um, and the coolest part is Elon Musk uh, had you know the guy who head of Tesla he had these plans for what he called Hyperloop and he basically released it online and says this is an open source program um, I challenge any company to like build these and there are now companies um, that took his plans and are building them and I'm sure he'll get shares of it but like he's not actually really developing it he just yeah. released the plans to the so world. Is it, it's underground or something no it's no. above ground it would be built like um, maybe using like a monorail highway plions or something could look like a monorail yeah okay. but the, there's the the next level after that would be would be they don't have the tunneling technology but if we develop if we can improve in tunneling the next one after that would be to do like say to make a tunnel between New York and LA right but because the earth curves you could do like a straight tunnel. So in effect, it would be like when you left New York, you'd be going downhill, right? Even though it's straight. But since it's a vacuum tube, you would actually fall. So the f- so that so that it, it would require essentially like no energy because you would because accelerate <laughs> by gravity, and then by the time you got going fast enough, you kick in like the the, the engines when you're like halfway there or whatever. Um, but yeah, it would use like hardly any energy. That that's really that that one's a ways off because the tunneling thing would be difficult, but um, that's the ideal scenario for this. And and they're talking about like literally, you you could order Chinese food from China for dinner. No way, <laughs> yeah, totally, man. <laughs> yeah, that seems like the like the biggest waste of that technology. <laughs> but I mean, it's like yeah, there it's like yeah, what what was it for that for the underground one? I mean, it would be the same if it was above ground, but. You'd have to go underground, obviously, to go to yeah. Europe. But um, 
Yeah. And no, also these things like, would be super cheap. Like Elon Musk proposed it because they were thinking of putting uh, the mag the mag train or whatever between San Francisco and LA. Um, which would actually be insanely expensive and pretty slow, relatively. So he proposed this plan, and it's actually like it would be super cheap to build um, because it's all it's all solar powered. I believe it's all so solar panels that power everything, and yeah. there's no exhaust. Um, yeah, one of my favorite. What did he heat things? The last thing what, he did some kind so of energy much. thing where you yeah, put in your he, house. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's got um, batteries. Um, right. That can power houses. Uh, he does the whole um, SpaceX, which is like, you know, I mean, NASA uses SpaceX rockets, I'm pretty sure. It's like just commercial space travel. And then Tesla. Right. Um, which I got to drive a Tesla in Hawaii, by the way. Oh, really? No way. Yeah. Really? <laughs> they had them at the hotel we were staying at just like to test drive. What was it like? Um, it was awesome. First of all, there are two things that I'll tell you about the awesome. One, in a car, even like um, an automatic, you still feel the gears shift when you step on the acceleration, you know, because even though you're not the one changing the gear, you still feel a bump. In a Tesla, it's an electric motor. So there's no, like when you step on the acceleration, it just ramps up without, you know, it's right. just a strange feeling. Another thing is that um, it's basically like an, uh, like as customizable as an iPhone, like, um, for instance, it's an electric car, so when you go to a red light and you take your foot off the accelerator, it doesn't lurch forward like a normal car does because it has a different engine. But you can go on the big tux, uh, touchscreen menu and toggle an option that replicates the feeling of lurching forward <laughs> when you take your foot off the accelerator. And you just like toggle it on and the car automatically is updated. It's like... You know, turn ringtone on or off or, you know. Well, you know, the other big, like, research now is trying to figure out what to make it sound like. Because people are going to get killed by electric cars. Oh, because they're so quiet? Yeah, so they're trying to figure out, like, what should it sound like? Should it sound like a car? It can make it sound like anything. They're going to put speakers (laughs) in the front of electric cars to fucking... That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. And that's why we need robocars anyway. Well, then people are scared that people can also, like, hack into... Well, I guess that's more the self-driving cars and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but didn't that happen with some like whatever. people like just hack- bring it on? I need a robot car. <laughs> yeah, there's some interesting things I read about those. The robot cars. Yeah. Well, like okay, so a robot car was designed to like save human life or whatever. So if there's someone that runs in front of the road, it's like this is a human. I have to swerve out of the way. So let's say there's a situation where there are like three people on one side of the road and one person on the other, but the car has to swerve. Is the car going to be programmed to like kill the least amount of people? <laughs> or like it's going to have to right, be programmed right. to make life-saving decisions that could potentially kill other people, right. you know, it just needs options. And, and people are like, they don't know how to program for those situations right. because then it's not a person, you know. Well, and the other question is, will the RoboCar kill its occupant to save lives outside Exactly. That's a, that's another really good option. <laughs> yeah. Or is it somehow bound to the occupant because the occupant right. paid for it, so it would choose to kill the five pedestrians? Right. It's weird. That's pretty yeah. cool. I haven't got to do that weird. yet, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I love this kind of shit. <laughs> I know. I had, like, a real problem where, like, I was have girls like if i have a date i'd bring a girl to my apartment and they'd be like what do you want to do I'd be like, do i watch transcendent man <laughs> and then like halfway through it they'd be like what what is this like watching this old guy take like a hundred pills like this is like <laughs> but pretty good documentary 
Yeah. Is good. that how you get girls to sleep with you? You just bore them into, like, they're like, you know what? Let's <laughs> well, just it's, do it's, it. Well, it's in the bedroom, sex. so <laughs> that's, how, that's how I get girls not to sleep with <laughs> I'm super good at it. Um, so do you guys have a lot kind of more stuff coming up? At, at, I mean, after the anniversary, do you have anything planned or is it sort of No, so uh, we're playing at uh, Webster tomorrow night here in the city and then um, on Saturday in Boston and then, then that's it. Um, we don't, we don't. I mean, you know, these shows have been awesome and, you know, we spent a lot of time together, obviously, like rehearsing and, and being on the road. Um, but we don't have anything planned. I mean, we, we're all pretty busy with, you know, our our normal lives and um so it's kind of tough but it it's definitely you know it, it it brought up uh some some feelings of you know what we've all been through together and that you know this thing still exists that th- there's like a small faction of people that are excited about but i don't i don't think we're like planning anything after that you know i i kind of feel like Sometimes bands get excited for doing these things and then they'll be like, we're putting out an album. And then it's like, all right, dudes, like, yeah, you're yeah, saying yeah. you're welcome. Like, I'd rather not do that whole thing. And, you know, unless there's like an immediate need, like, unless uh, I go home and write like seven awesome armor for sleep songs, which I'm not going to do, then it's like, you know, we're not going to like half ass anything. Do you ever think about just starting another band or just? To- <sighs> I mean, in like if it was 2006 yeah i just i know how 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 shit works and and you know i mean i might put out music but i i don't want to like full-on like do that again it's just you know like like we were talking about before my personality i just you know i don't i just don't really have the desire to like put myself out there in the same way in the way that probably requires you to do it and like you know so i you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll do something small at some point, but I don't I don't have that drive to like go out and like take over the world. You know, yeah, do you, do you feel like you'd rather hang out in Hawaii than sleep on someone's floor in like Denver? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little bit nicer. <laughs> yeah, that no, that makes sense. That's yeah, um, that's fair. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think it's I think it's awesome. I think that's what motivates a lot of like twenty year old kids to go out there and and do something is like the drive to like really get there get their name out there and you know and i feel like i i I did that you know and like you know i i I don't need to like i don't have that hunger to do that again and to put myself out there and you know yeah i'm happy with what what i went through yeah definitely i mean do you do you like sort of follow newer bands and that kind of stuff and i guess you have to sort of for your work yeah i follow newer bands it's different though i mean like you said the scene back then i think was a lot cooler to follow because you know you were following individual bands but you were also in the scene that you were following and so well yeah i I follow bands that i like but um not in the same way i guess what kind of stuff have you been into lately any anything people can Um, check out oh you see i don't know probably just what everyone else likes yeah uh yeah i'm gonna see beach slang tonight oh sweet that should be good um cool where are they playing knitting factory mm-hmm. and they want me to like roast them before they're set <laughs> so i wrote a bunch of jokes about them i'm incredibly nervous about it <laughs> are you gonna have it written out i have it written out but i've been sort of practicing it mm-hmm. my sister does it before a lot of united nation shows uh-huh. so i'm kind of just like we have a similar sensibility does she roast you the most pretty much yeah, yeah. she does everyone individually she uh-huh. roasts the audience a lot mm-hmm. but you know uh me and her do this web series mm-hmm. And it sort of came out of her roasting my old band when she lived in Chicago. 
because we'd like play the empty bottle and she'd get on stage and no one knew who she was at that point she'd yeah. be like empty bottle more like empty club where is everyone <laughs> and, like we all thought it was hilarious and everyone was like what's going on and it just once she got an snl and stuff it just like continued and now yeah. it's funny because people are like why is this person here <laughs> yeah. that's yeah, funny it's fun yeah it's fun to just make fun of people <laughs> sure. when they're about to play a show <laughs> have you guys ever had anyone roast you guys no would you like Jonas? Would you? <laughs> okay, you're playing Webster Hall tomorrow. It doesn't give me a lot of time to work on material. Are you? Which room are you guys playing? Um, it's the Marlin Room. Okay, that's where we played actually last time we were there. How was it? It was cool. It's like um, I've I, been there before. Yeah, I mean, we could have we could have played the main room or just like packed out the Marlin Room. I think it's a better and, move packing yeah. out the Marlin Room because it's still pretty. It, makes, it still holds like 600 people or something. Yeah, yep. exactly. Um, yeah, well, that'll be cool. And do you do you guys do like any like reissues or anything? Um, well, we printed the vinyl of the record for the first time. It, they never printed was it on vinyl. Was that Equal Vision? It was Equal Vision. Okay. Yeah. So there have been, I guess, three pressings so far. I didn't know that there were like different colors for each pressing, but I guess there was a first pressing, and then a pink one, and then a white one that we only sell at shows or something. I think I only knew this because some guy was like, "I got all three. and I was like, "I didn't know there were three different ones." Um, so people can get those now. The they can the get yeah. I think I think the ones we're selling at the shows are exclusive to the shows, but I could okay. be mistaken. So don't shoot me if I'm wrong. But do you, have, um, do you keep all that stuff? Like, the records? You, yeah. Like, do you have? All um, your... I'll try and snag a record probably yeah. of this one. Um, I I don't know. I don't usually no. I don't keep like memorabilia and stuff. Yeah, I used to. Yeah, and now I don't really it takes up too much space. Yeah. Um. The concert posters are nice, though. I'll probably keep one of those. Yeah, you should. Frame it, put it in a bathroom or something. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to want it someday. It's good. Keep a little bit of memorabilia. Brad was in a band called The Goops. Cool. Um, They're they're in the Mallrat soundtrack. Big time. (laughs) I'm always impressed by that. Really? Yes. (laughs) That's a great movie. Yeah. I should watch it again. Is Ben Affleck? Yeah. Young Ben Affleck? And, um, yeah. Who else was in it? The blonde girl with the high pitched voice. Yeah, what? Yeah, not Zoe. Whatever. She, she's like she a dude, she's like a guy's name or something. Yeah, I can't. I should remember. I should know all this. I know people are listening to this, like shouting it, like you guys are such idiots. <laughs> oh man, I could look it up, but that would be too easy. Liv Tyler, is she in that? No, no, no. no I wish. Thinking Empire. Joe, is her name Joey? Something. Yeah, it was Joey something. I'm not going to look it up, dude. I don't know. This is probably like the most boring way to end a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what else can we not Let's remember? Just five minutes trying to remember this person's name. <laughs> and we're definitely not going to figure it out. No, we're definitely not. Joey Bishop. Joey. Is it, no, that's incorrect. No. All right, I'm going to look it up. Let's Fuck look it you. up and this will be the grand finale. <laughs> for the record, I said Zoe, so that may, I may get some points for rhyming if yeah, your name is Joey. I think, I think... Well, I'm not totally sure. <laughs> and the answer is Joey Adams. Joey oh, Adams. Okay. Yeah, I. It was like on the tip of my tongue. I don't think I ever knew. Shannon that. Doherty. Shannon Doherty. Oh, that's right. Did you go to the premiere, Brad? Uh, yeah. yeah. Really? Well, we were the single. We were the. We got the single, and what was the single? Stephen Smith really liked us. It was a cover of "Build Me Up Buttercup." Um, but uh. Yeah, so they flew us out to Comic Con in San Diego. And, That's awesome. Was and, Comic Con like really small at that time? No, nah, it was pretty big. Oh, really? Yeah, it when was, was pretty that, massive. like ninety. It was, mm, 
96, I think. Okay. No, ni- 95. It was 95. Yeah, Comic-Con was pretty crazy, but... Um, yeah, it was pretty pimp. I mean, at that point, we were touring in vans and shit, and they fly us out, and we each have a suite. And then That's hotel, awesome. Like, you know, we, everybody, like, ordered room service, uh, and then called everybody else, and was like, dude, I just ordered a six-pack and, and shrimp cocktail. Come to my room. And like, <laughs> oh, fuck you. I just ordered a steak and a six-pack. <laughs> we all just stayed in our rooms. <laughs> we didn't, I, didn't, I remember I didn't like the movie, though. You didn't? Nah, I like it now, but when it came out... I mean, he had done Clerks, right? And this right. was like, I think the first thing after Clerks. And it was not as fucking good or as funny. Yeah. And uh, so we were kind of just sitting there in the theater going, oh, shit. What do we say about this? <laughs> but your song is in the movie? Yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah, it's. I can't remember the scene, but it's in there. I'm going to watch that again. That's and it. we refused to be in the video. We were so, we were too punk. Yeah, the video has, it just has Kevin Smith and Jason yeah, Mewes. Jay and Silent Bob. And they didn't want to be in it. It's so stupid. We were too punk for our own good. <laughs> literally. literally. <laughs> just too stupid. All right. All right. Hey. Hey there. Love talking about myself. Yes, that was a great way to end the podcast. Brad talking about his glory days as a rock star. Why did you do that? That's uh, that's what it seems like when I do that. No, I like it. How often do you get to talk about this stuff? Yeah, I know. Let's talk about it here. Yeah, I, it's interesting to everyone except you. Let me tell you, kids. I, I know. I you know. I feel like I learned some lessons, and I feel like at some point I should write a book. How not to. How not to do it or whatever. I don't know. I actually start, you know, when the band broke up, I actually started a book and I had the, the title was Who Cares? The Rise and Fall of an East Village Rock Band. That was going to be the title. That's pretty good. <laughs> so, Do you ever think about doing any Goops reunion shows like Armored no, First Sleep? Wouldn't no. happen. You don't think so? Um, I mean, I don't know. It could happen. If it was the original lineup with like PD. Yeah. Could definitely do it, I think. There's just still, I think, too much. There's some, I don't think it would work with the final lineup. Gotcha. The breakup lineup. Yeah. That happens. But yeah, I saw Eleanor recently. She looks great. Yeah. I don't know if she's singing, but um, yeah, she could, we could do a good, it. Could, we could do it. It would be fun. I think it would be cool. I would love to see you play guitar. Um, yeah, I would need to practice, dude. Yeah. I'm definitely out of shape. I'm sure it comes back to you. Um, what about you? Um, what about your guitar playing? I'm a little rusty. I have a. I've been playing. I've been right, right, trying to write some stuff for United Nations. So I've been pulling it out pretty much every day. All right, but I've been playing this Telly with a Bigsby on it. Oh wow, which is pretty classic. Yeah, I. It's crazy. I bought it from musician's friend like ten or eleven years ago, and kind of forgot about it. And then last time I was at my parents' house. I was like in the basement poking around and there's just like a tweed case and I opened it up and it's like forgot about this perfect guitar. condition like telly like tremolo like so I brought it back up with me and now it's, it's I've been playing a lot I saw a lot of te- I was in Nashville a couple of weeks ago and a lot of tellies obviously yeah. but dude the bar for guitar playing in that town forget about it yeah you're saying it's that like, on the podcast don't even, I'm sure don't leave the house yeah unless you can shred yeah Saw quite a few guitar solos. They were good. Were you going to a lot of shows? Went to a, no, we went out a couple of times, but just uh, 
you know, the band. Is it just like you walk down the street and there's some dude just like tearing it up? Yeah. No. Well, I mean, we, yeah, we went, I mean, you know, on Broadway is like the main drag there where they, where the clubs are. It's kind of like Sixth Street in Austin. Yeah. You can just okay. pop, pop in and out. It's not like a huge cover. And so, yeah, you can kind of, you can just see a lot of bands. It's good. I like Nashville. I like that town. I haven't been there in a while. I have not been there. I'd recommend it. All right. Good well, food too, man. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, you heard it here first. <laughs> at the end. <laughs> you, you heard, heard it, it buried, here first at the last. You heard it buried at the end of this podcast. Check out Nashville for some good food. Yeah, do it. Uh, um, check out Going Off Track for some good podcasts. Hell yeah. Goingofftrack.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. You can um, leave us a good review on iTunes. You can donate for our server costs. You can donate a dollar. Somehow, that goes somewhere. <laughs> I'm not totally sure. It's more Stephen's apartment, but uh, yeah, thanks so much to um, Ben uh, for coming by, and uh, yeah, check out check out Armor for Sleep. If you haven't checked them out, I mean, they're not really still a band anymore, but you can still go back and listen to the records because uh, the records still exist. And if you like emo music. They were pretty good back in the day, I gotta say. It's there. It's in the cloud. It's in the cloud. You just gotta go seek it out. All right. We will be back next week. Uh, Take care. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.